Jesus. He is great and greatly to be praised. I said he is great and greatly to be praised. The greatest words I have, the greatest praise I have is due unto him. How great he is. Amen. 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 Thank you for being here on a Sunday night at Tree of Life Church. I'm appreciative to have you a part of my church. Amen. What a sweet spirit of the Lord we feel in this place. I'm basking in the glow of a busy yet uh, fantastic week here at the church. Anybody uh, VBS tired right now? It's like a, you're kind of tired, but you're, you feel good from all the kids that you were with this past week and the joy of the Lord that maybe some of them saw for the very first time. I hope that those kids left this week knowing the greatness of God that we just sang about, knowing that there will be a situation someday down the road in their life where they can look back and say, there was something I felt at a vacation Bible school in the name of the Lord that was different, and I need that right now. I hope that this can be a safe place and a safe refuge. Thank you to you on a personal note for me. Thank you for being a part of Vacation Bible School. I had a blast this past week. Thank you to all the leaders who put it on. And then, of course, we celebrated a one-year anniversary service last night of Arbol de Vida. Amen. Amen. What an awesome time that was being together. I'm going to turn your attention this evening to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. I do believe that I have received a word from the Lord this evening. It may not be a jumpy fiery scream message, but there's some housekeeping I feel the Lord has placed on my shoulders, and I feel like I need to speak this word. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, for bearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. Anybody thankful to know that one God tonight, to know that his name is Jesus? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the leading of the Lord tonight to talk about what Paul talks about in verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Tonight I'm going to speak about maintaining the unity. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're thankful, Jesus, for your presence, for everything that has gone on this week. God, it's been a fantastic week, but all the glory goes to you, Jesus. For the presence we felt this morning, for the word that was delivered this morning, God, I ask that you would also remain in this service tonight, Jesus. Open up our hearts and our minds today, God, that we would be able to receive your word, to receive this blessing today, Jesus, that you have for us. God, your word is strong and it is healing, God, and it can change us, Lord. Let it change us for the better. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And as church said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I love this church. I give honor to my pastor. I give honor to my leadership team. I give honor to the youth team that I'm privileged to serve with. I give honor to the youth. The youth and I and other youth team members are headed to North American Youth Congress 
nine days from today, next Tuesday, is an exciting time. We're headed to St. Louis, Missouri, where we will gather with 35,000 other young people uh, and youth workers from across the nation, worshiping Jesus Christ, lifting up his name. It's going to be a fun time. I believe that God has got a word for everyone going And I ask that you would pray for us this week and next week as we go. It can be life-changing if we let it. Remember us next week. From the beginning of time, God has been joining people together in spiritual and in physical ways that no human man can possibly do by himself. In the Garden of Eden, God made man in his own image, making him from the dust of the earth and then breathing the breath of life into him, therefore joining God himself with that man, Adam. God determined uh, that it was not good that man should be alone. Amen. And so from Adam, he created Eve and then joined those two people together. They would not be two people anymore. They would become one. It is a physical act, the two becoming one, something sacred that God created himself that is not only physical, but also emotional and spiritual. There is a joining when the two become one. This is why we cannot be with someone biblically and not have an emotional or spiritual tie to them. That's the way that God designed it. He intended it to be that way. It's the joining when two come together. God has been joining people together, and God has been joining himself to us. He created a spiritual, physical, and emotional bond and joining of two people in holy matrimony, and then what God has joined together, let no man separate. He's in the business of joining people together and joining himself to a people. He joined himself to a people, the Israelites, the chosen people. They are still God's chosen people. He said, I am yours and you are mine. There's this spiritual, emotional connection that God has with his people. He then joined himself to a land, to a promised land. There's still something special about going over to the promised land in the Middle East. I don't know how to explain it. It's a supernatural spiritual bond joining together that he joined himself to that land. He joined himself to leaders in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, prophets of old. When people could not yet enter into the Holy of Holies, he would still join himself to that prophet, to those tribes by speaking to those people. He was joining himself to leaders. He was robed in flesh and joined himself to a virgin named Mary. I'm talking about unity between him and people today that is something spiritual and supernatural. I can't explain it to you, but it's incredible. He then joined himself to a kingdom. He comes on earth. He starts talking about this kingdom. He's joining himself to this kingdom. There's a tie. There's a bond there. He joined himself to our sin and then defeated it on the cross. It said he knew no sin and he became sin. He joined himself to that, took it upon the cross and defeated that. He joins us to his burial in baptism and he joins us to his death in repentance. He joins us to his resurrection with the infilling of his spirit, the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And he joins his spirit to us as his children. We cry, Abba, Father. We not anymore have the spirit of fear, but the spirit of adoption. He has now joined himself to us. Then he joined himself to a body of believers. The kids, the the people that he's already joined together, he has now put them together and he has joined them together and he has joined himself with the church. There was a history 
of God somehow, supernaturally, spiritually joining himself to a people and by making us his people, by joining us together, has made us one in him. Amen? He has made us the church, one body with one hope, serving the one God. Romans 8 and 15, you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. He has joined us together. Now we are the children of God. Everyone in this room, everyone a part of this fellowship, we are the body of Christ. There is a special supernatural spiritual bonding that takes place when you are in Christ Jesus receiving that Holy Ghost, joining together in the body of Christ, a group of believers that he has put together, that he has welcomed into his family. He sets the solitary in families, creating a spirit then of unity, uniformity of one, just by being in Christ together. We are a family of Christ. We are become new in Christ. Whatever I was before doesn't matter. Whatever family I was a part of before doesn't matter. When I am in Christ, I'm one with the body of Christ. That was made apparent to me this morning. I had the opportunity of taking our evangelist from the Spanish service last night to the airport. Never met him before in my life. Heard him preach last night. Got to drive to the airport. It was great. There was no traffic. But just on our way down in the discussion, it was like we had known each other forever. He started telling me old stories about old uh, youth congresses, and we just started talking, and I thought, this is the body of Christ. I've never met Brother Reyes before, but there is a unity in the spirit that God has made us privy to by his spirit. Amen? There is a spirit of unity in the church, and Paul charges us in Ephesians 4 to walk worthy of our calling with lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, and endeavoring, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Here we see one of our jobs, one of our commissions. There are many commissions that we're supposed to do in the Scriptures. Here's one of them. We're supposed to teach all nations, baptizing them, making disciples. And then there's a new commission right here. Keep the unity of the Spirit. Maintain it. That word in Greek is talking about maintaining the spirit. If it gets old, if it gets rusty, if it needs some grease, if the, a, if the AC starts to leak, you've got to get back there and fix it. You've got to make every effort possible to keep the unity of the spirit. Guard it, protect it, take care of it. Make every effort possible. Every effort. Every thought you have, every prayer you pray, every conversation you have, should only push the unity of the Spirit more together. There should be no conversation that separates us. Every decision you make should be to keep the unity of the Spirit. Every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. God has given us a charge, something to maintain that does not belong to us, belongs to Him, the unity of the Spirit in the church. And here's the deal. I learned this in ministry a couple of years ago, changed my mind, hurt my feelings. This is not your church. This local assembly, this local body that we come and gather to multiple times a week and pay our tithes and give our offerings and serve, this is the building we gather. But the church, this fellowship, 
does not belong to you. This belongs to Jesus Christ. When you live a sinless life, free from sin, and die a perfect death on the cross because you love the church and you purchased the church, then feel free to say, this is my church. But until then, this church belongs to Jesus Christ. Amen. Ephesians 5.25 says this, he loved it so much, it being the church, that he gave himself for it. Once I had that realization that this is not my church, that this is his church, I care for it differently. I maintain it differently. Now it's not about what I want to do. Now it's not opinion driven. Now this is spirit driven. What does he want? This isn't mine anyway. This is his. He bought it with his life. I cannot mess it up. He charged me to keep something of his. Keep the unity of the spirit. This church is his church. We are to be good stewards of it, to show faithfulness in the little things and to show faithfulness in the big things. I did not die for this church. I did not give myself for the savings of these people. He did. So who am I to break up the unity of this church? I am here to maintain what God gave himself for. Keep the unity of the spirit. If anybody should understand and appreciate the unity of the spirit, it's Paul. In the beginning of the book of Acts, he's going by a different name. His name is Saul. He's out there doing what he thinks is right, but he is eventually, essentially, killing Christians. Then he has a, an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He repents, and then there's this new covenant of grace that Paul enters into. It's not anymore by the law. Now it's by grace. And now he is brought into this unity of the Spirit. Brother Brandon Jordan talked about it a little bit today. He is now trying to join the disciples and they're like, hold up, you were the guy <laughs> that we were all terrified of. And Barnabas stood up and said, yeah, 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 but he preached Jesus boldly. He needs to be a part of this body. How can we, the church of the living God, think that the unity belongs to us? When somebody comes into this building, even if they have a past that's been against us, somebody hear me. They are part of the unity of the Spirit once they are in Christ Jesus. Paul now understands the Scripture that to be one, even as Christ and the Father are one. He now gets that. Once he's welcomed in by these disciples who were at first afraid of him because of what he did in his past, he now understands that be one, even as I and the Father are one. There is one family of God, one body. And so he writes in this letter in the church to Ephesus, who at the time was having trouble between the Jews and the Gentiles getting along. They were not dwelling together in unity. And he's writing here saying, you've got to do it. This is dividing the church. Put your differences aside. Jesus Christ has made us one. Therefore, you should be one. You are in the unity of the Spirit as soon as you are in Christ and receive his Spirit. Now maintain it. You don't have to make the unity. Jesus already does. Maintain it. Amen. He now preaches to the church, put others first because of your love for them. Don't think that this is my side of the church and that is their side of the church. If you understand the love of Christ, if you are truly rooted and grounded in love, if the love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts, 
then let that love abound. Put others first with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Let them go first. Let them go first because of the love you have for them, because of the love God had for you. Make every effort to keep the beautiful unity of the Spirit of God that God has joined us together in. We don't make up separate churches or separate bodies. There is one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one God and Father of all who is above all and in all and through you all. There's no separate churches. This is one body. Amen. There is a beautiful unity that God has created in the spirit and our church is to dwell in that. Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says this. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what your political preference is. There is one in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what your favorite sports team is. There is one in Christ Jesus. I thank God for the one-year anniversary of Arbol de Vida, but there is not a separate Spanish body. There is not a separate English body. There is no separate kids' church. There is no separate youth church. There's no separate grown-up church. This is one body of Christ. He gave himself for it, and that is the church. Amen. Why am I preaching this tonight? 2015 was a hard year for myself. I felt like I was kicking against the pricks, as the scripture says. We were living in Florida at the time. I was having a hard time finding a steady job. And if you are a newlywed and can't find a job, you feel like you're supposed to be providing for your wife, you're starting to have an identity crisis, right? began to cause me to step back. I was really starting to struggle with who I was, my identity, and this reputation that I was trying to build, but that at the same time didn't have any backing because I I didn't feel like I was providing for my family. I felt like maybe I wasn't living up to whatever I thought I should, what other people thought I should. Then one day, a spiritual authority figure called me. If your spiritual authority calls you, you need to pick up the phone. They called me and we had a conversation and I had made a comment and they pointed out, they said this, you have pride in your life. Boom, just hit me. I was sitting at my desk in our house in Florida and I'll never forget it. I finished the phone call, put the phone down and I said, my God, at any time anybody could walk up to you and say, you've got pride in your life. But if you're not ready to receive that word, your pride will rear its ugly head and say, no, I don't. That's a, that's a sign that you, in fact, do have pride. As soon as they told me that, my eyes were opened. I started seeing in every aspect of my life that I had pride. Even though I didn't have a job, I had this false humility. Well, poor me. I can't do this. I don't deserve that because I'm not working. That's still pride. If you feel like your car is 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 not a nice car and you're embarrassed by it so you park it up at the annex behind the shed so nobody can see it because you're embarrassed that's not humility that's pride that's a false humility that's pride what pride can do is ruin your life and it can divide a church so many of us have pride in our lives and don't realize how much it is hated by jesus christ 
Romans chapter 1, 28 and 32 says this, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, sin. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, even on Facebook, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful. Maybe you've made it this far and you're thinking, I'm okay, here it comes, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedience to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, you know God doesn't like pride in your life, that they which do commit such things are worthy of death, committing those sins. Not only do these, not only continue to have pride, but have pleasure in them that also have pride, but have pleasure in them that do them. God gave them up. That's what they wanted. God gave them up to these things, being filled with pride, being one of them. That's what I'm going to focus on. Don't be enticed with doing things that are against the spirit, that go against the unity of the church. It may be cool. It may feel free to go and do something against the unity of the church, but I'm here in the name of the Lord to proclaim, do not go against the unity of the church. Pride in your life is one of those things. When we run into someone else in the church who we may not agree with, who we may have been hurt by, who we may have been offended by, who we may have been wounded by, remember this. Later on in the book of Ephesians, he says this, 6 and 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. When you are confronting somebody else and you are just angry at them or you are hurt by them, you are offended by them, what the enemy is doing is taking that offense, taking that real emotional pain, and he's starting to put a wedge in between you. He is working his way into your heart. The enemy will use that offense against you. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood. You are not wrestling against your other uh, fellow citizen in this church, fellow member of the body of Christ. You are wrestling against uh, principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness. The enemy will use that offense against you. Try to take you out with that offense. Try to cause division in you and in this church. Do not let it happen. Last fall, the youth, we did a series called Unoffendable. If you're saying I've never heard of that word, you're correct. Unoffendable isn't even a word. That's how far the idea and concept is from the American lexicon. Offendable is used so freely. Unoffendable is not even a word. We don't even have the ability to be unoffendable. A little further on in Ephesians chapter 4, after he's talking about the unity of the Spirit, he goes to talk about the new, uh, the old life and the new. And he says this in verse 26, and you may have pulled this scripture out on your kids once or twice. It says, be ye angry and sin not. That's my go-ahead card. I, I got a hall pass. Be ye angry and sin not. Let's keep reading. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. 27 says this, neither give place to the devil. Matthew 24 and 10 says this, 
And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. When you let that anger creep into your heart and you let it stay, you have just given place to the devil. When you let that offense come, it says it's impossible that offenses should not come. Offenses will come. We're human. It's going to happen. But you don't have to let that offense stick or stay. Do not give place to the devil. 2410, then shall many be offended. The next step is to then betray one another and shall hate one another. And of course, we know later on that it says, if you have hated one another, you have murdered them in your heart. I'm here to preach this word. Offenses are rooted in pride. You feel that someone did not value you the way that you value you. I think I should be treated here. You treated me here. I am offended. You are taking offense. Jesus Christ deserves every praise. And yet he was treated the worst of anybody. And not once did he say, I don't deserve this. He chose to be unoffendable. Do not take offense. That's your pride. There can be no unity of the spirit. There can be no pride growing, uh, no unity growing if there's pride present. Pride is your flesh getting or desiring glory. God says that he resists the proud. Not only does he not want to work with you, he resists the proud people. No flesh will glory in the presence of Almighty God. We cannot have pride in us. It will not allow us to live in spiritual unity. If you feel like you're on the outskirts tonight, if you feel like you're not a part of this body like you, like you should be or like you once were, ask the Lord to examine your heart. Say, search me, O God. Is there any pride in my life. We are to keep and to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Psalm 133, one says this, how good and pleasant it is for men to dwell together in unity. Not just to come together on Sundays at 10.30 and 6 and Wednesdays at 7, to live together. My home insurance calls my house a dwelling. So if we are to dwell in unity, we've got to live together in unity. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Dwell together in unity. What is the one thing that Satan knows that he can't beat? It's Jesus Christ and his church, this kingdom, the body of Christ. The scripture says he's like a lion seeking whom he may devour to steal, to kill, and to destroy. A lion knows for a fact that he cannot kill an entire herd, so he's looking for one on the fringe, the one on the edge, the one who has chosen isolation, the one who's maybe got left behind. The enemy knows that he cannot stop this church from being built, but if he can pick one of us off, it's good enough for him. If you're not allowing yourself to unify with the body or if you are working against the flow of unity, that's an easy pickoff for the enemy. Caitlin and I visited the state of Wyoming a couple years ago. We went to Yellowstone National Park, and you learn a lot out there about nature and about wildlife. And there are 
there are packs. It's not a zoo. It's just open. There are animals everywhere. There are packs of wolves. There's herds of bison, herds of elk. There's, it's an incredibly beautiful territory that our, our creator created, and we were blessed to go out there. We started learning that as the wolves are hunting the elk or the bison, they, they know that they cannot get the pack, but they'll just wait. Because sure enough, someone will isolate themselves. Someone will think the herd will move this way, and one will think, well, we could go this way. It'll isolate themselves, and then the wolves or the predators are just ready to go. They're waiting. They're waiting. Pride will isolate you. It will either make you elevate yourself with a false elevation, feeling above others, or it'll put yourself at a false humility that you isolate yourself from the church, throwing yourself a pity party. They don't care about me just going to stay home tonight. No one's called. I'm just going to stay home. Once you are in isolation, once you are all alone and you do these things, you will do things in isolation you would never do with other people. You will watch things. You will go places. You will entertain yourself with things that have no business being in front of a child of God. Do not isolate yourself. Do not let pride creep in and isolate yourself. It is not the will of God for you to be divided from his body. I'll say that again. It is not the will of God for you to be divided from his body. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10 says this, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's how much I beseech you, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. He is begging the church in the name of Jesus Christ to be in the same mind, to speak the same thing. Let there be no divisions named among you. Be perfectly joined with the person sitting next to you in the same mind and in the same judgment. If pastor were here, he would break down this next word, divisions. Die visions. Die meaning multiple visions, meaning visions. There are multiple visions divisions. One people going this way, another people going this way. We think the plan should be this. We think the plan should be this. Divisions, splits, separation. The bait of Satan is offense in the church. I know that, that not every weapon that's going to pull you out of church is going to pull me out of church and, and pull them out of church. We're all, we're all designed just a little bit differently, but offense pretty widespreadly, can pull anybody out. Maybe alcoholism isn't it for me. Maybe it is for you. Maybe there's an addiction that that I struggle with that you don't or something like that. But offense is so widespread because each one of us have pride in our life. Do not isolate yourself. Do not divide yourself with other people going the opposite direction. Allow the unity of the spirit to happen. happen. Keep it. Maintain it, guard it, protect it. God has given it to us. He's not asking you to go make unity. He's saying just keep it. Once you're in Christ, once you're baptized into that body, you will be a part of a family like never before. All I'm asking you to do is to keep it, is to maintain it. Amen. Would you stand with me this evening? There's something special happening at the Tree of Life Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. God is desiring 
to save his lost children in the city of Cincinnati and in the greater area. I'm going to say that again because I believe it. God is desiring to save his lost children in the city of Cincinnati. Just like yourself at one point when you were lost, he's trying to save somebody else like he at one point saved you. He's doing it. You can kind of feel this undercurrent, this momentum, this, this swell happening on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and Saturday nights. There's this, there's this momentum in the Holy Ghost, this unity that's kind of bringing us together, pushing us towards our destiny. We keep looking outside at, at what's going to be our new sanctuary. We have banners on the wall. There's this momentum pushing this church. We're almost a year and a half through ready now, and there's this momentum pushing this church, everybody can kind of feel it. There's just a buzz. There's an, there's an excitement happening. He is desiring to use the tree of life church. Our pastor has been given a divine revelation on unity, on systematic racism. He's preached it here. He's preached it at other churches. I'm thankful for a pastor that preaches out because not only do we get to hear him, but the rest of the world gets to hear him. They need to hear that gospel of unity in the church. There's something special. There's something anointed. There's something very specific. Hear me. This is not preacher talk. There's something specifically special about you being in this church. God is using TLC. We are a lighthouse. We are a beacon. You don't see this everywhere you go, but he is trying to use us. He's desiring to use us, to use our funds, to build a new building, to hold more people for a new sanctuary, a new seating, and a new welcome center, and centrally located bathrooms. And we must first maintain the unity of the Spirit before we can maintain the new building before we can maintain the new sanctuary, before we can maintain the new welcome center and the new bathrooms, we have to first maintain the unity of the Spirit. Keep it, guard it, protect it, take care of it. If you see somebody hurting the unity, it is up to us to keep it, to guard it from the adversary. So go to that person and speak the truth in love. If there's no love, they're not going to receive the truth. But if you won't share the truth with them, then is there really any love? This is not our church. I'm going to remind you one more time. This is not our church. We did not give ourselves for this body of people. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for this church. This is his church. God gave himself for it. Protect the unity. Protect this fellowship. Protect your pastor. Protect your leadership. Don't let anything just come in here and rob us of the unity that God has so beautifully given us. We are to go forward in faith, Brother Brandon, to better days, and we are to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Would you just lift your hands and say, God, help me to maintain the unity. Lord, if there is any pride in me today, Jesus, would you clean it out? If there is anything within me today, Jesus, any offense, any grudge, any bitterness, any root of bitterness that pastor preached about that I have yet to rip out of the ground by the roots, God, would you get it out of my life today? Would you find a place to pray? This altar is open. Would you find a place to pray? 
as people come to this church, they are going to be looking for unity. They're going to be looking for that, that unity that's only created by the Spirit. I'm asking you to maintain it, to keep it, to guard it. God, if there's any part in me that cannot maintain, that cannot keep that unity, would you burn it out? Would you purify me today, Jesus? Clean it out from the inside of me today, God. Keep the unity. Keep the unity. Keep the unity. Protect it with everything you have. Every Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Would you pray tonight?